Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, Chris. With you this week, I've got Jesse. How are you? How are you both? I already had my day. So now, you know, every day is about men. Well, yes, you had your day yesterday, so you can pipe down for the rest of the episode. Uh, although, I'm the, the, I'm the token Brit this week, because um, for his first appearance of the season, we've got Justin. How are you? Hello, I am fine. Excellent. Uh, right, so this week we're going to be talking about the Champions League uh, that's happened, Premier League that's coming, uh, Gary Lineker, as you might realise, is in the news, uh, and other bits and bobs. So, what we will do, we will start um, with the Champions League on Tuesday, uh, that was Chelsea 2, Borussia Dortmund 1, uh, Chelsea won that aggregate of 2-1 goals from uh, Raheem Sterling and a penalty that had to be retaken from Kai Havertz. Um, who saw this one? I did. I did. I forgot until you said you talked about that penalty. <laughs> uh, both of you, do you think it was uh, a penalty in the under the letter of the law? What do you think, Jesse? I mean, yeah, but because the letter of the law is, is unformed, I guess at this moment. What do you think, Justin? I, I think he had his arm just far enough from his body that, that that's the excuse that VAR is always looking for. Mm. If they can say unnatural shape. Um, I, I don't know that it really is unnatural, but because but, uh, you don't run around with your arms at your sides like the Riverdance guy, but, but um, <laughs> it, it, it didn't surprise me it was given. I, I, it, and it didn't surprise me that the missed penalty was overturned because of the players in the box that uh, Dortmund player who cleared it when it came off the post um, was apparently one of the ones that was in early, so that didn't uh, didn't really surprise me either. Um, I thought it was really uh, interesting that the... Oh, sorry. Chris. No, no, no. Go on. First of all, now I want there to be a Mightly, Michael Flatley rule of <laughs> arms. Um, I thought it was interesting that the conversation was like whether the Chelsea players encroached first and then. And then, like, that doesn't matter. Any player encroaches um, would be a retake. I I was just annoyed. I hate stutter step penalties. Mm. So, like, on that basis alone, I didn't Yeah, that, to... that's actually, that's why the players end up in the box. Right. So that's why they yeah. end up. They're, they're trying to, they're trying to time the run in and uh, with the, with the ball being struck and then the, the stutter run put, puts everyone off. And I just think that if the if the letter of the law, as it were, says once you start moving, you cannot stop, a stutter step penalty is sort of is a workaround of that and should not and should be disallowed. Um, as a goalkeeper, Justin, what was your policy on um, 
players that had to retake penalties? Did you always go the same way again? Did you go the different way, or what was your policy? Yeah, that's, that's a good question because I'm not certain that ever happened. You know, in the era before VAR, I don't know. Gosh, did anyone ever have a retaken penalty? I'm sure I came off my line too early at some point and and got called up for it, but I don't remember what I did. I I think I would. If I were the shooter, if I were taking the penalty and that happened, I would go the same way, but I would change the height. I think I would I would just go higher the second time. But, um, yeah, I don't know that it ever happened to me. Oh, um, while you were here, it's the first time you've been on for a while. Uh, did you ever go full Amy Martinez in the World Cup final uh, in a shootout on um, on penalty takers? No, I... Uh... I just don't have that kind of games, gamesmanship in me. I, I don't have a problem with it. Emmy's the best in the world at it. So good at it that they're going to change the laws because of him. <laughs> Wait, but, you mean you mean if you did any, like, shithousery? Right. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't think I did. I, I, and I always kind of wanted to rush the shooter, if anything. I know that the science says to slow them down and make them think about it longer. Um, but I always wanted just to – I got on my line straight away and tried to get it all going a little bit quicker. I thought maybe that might put them off a little bit, but Emmy's got the right idea. What he does works. I just think they're going to end up, you know, changing the laws because of it. Yeah, that would be a shame. Um, I'll tell you something. One more, if we can, one more thing about that penalty that mm-hmm. was unnoticed by. I, I don't think I heard anyone else mention this. It was really brilliant. By it was Havertz that took it, wasn't it? Yes. Mm-hmm. When his shot came off the post, it came right back to him, and he let it go. Yes. And he, he, his, you could see in his body language that he almost struck it again, um, which had he done, it would have been an indirect, a free kick the other way at that moment for Dortmund, because you can't touch it twice as the, you know, as the as the player shooting, it's got to touch another player. So that was, that was really pretty pretty clever of him, and that's really the only reason he got a chance to take it again. Yeah, I know about that rule because of um, I think it happened to Mike Whitlow uh, for Leicester City about 1993. So yeah, that's the only reason I remember that. Nice. nice. Of course, he could he could have just saved us all this trouble and just put the first one in. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Jude Bellingham, his reaction to the handball. He's, I think he sort of said, "I can't say what I say, otherwise I lose my um, match fee in in wages." Um, Chelsea seemed dominant. When I, I've only watched this on the highlights, and I think all they showed on the BT Sport highlights. Um, was Dortmund having a free kick in the first half and they didn't really have a huge amount else but when I sort of looked on the BBC website for this later on um, it said that uh, both Chelsea and Dortmund both had 13 shots each and Dortmund had 61% possession but it didn't seem like that in the highlights is that how it felt watching the game? Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's hard because we, you know, we both sound so similar with our American accents um, yeah actually I thought Surprisingly, I guess, considering how Chelsea have been playing during their season and how dominant um, Dortmund, I guess, was predicted to be, this this was um, kind of an open match until until the penalty. Um, Kepa had <laughs> some some pretty good saves, mm. um, so it. it it's it was not if you looked at this like on paper i think this made sense as a as a chelsea win if you looked at it just in terms of like the the missed penalty and then the retaken penalty it does seem as if it was sort of um engineered to be a chelsea win okay fair enough yeah. uh, oh, go on. 
never really felt like they were in a, a lot of trouble to me, Chelsea. Just subdued Dortmund performance for whatever reason, whatever the stats say. It just didn't didn't really feel like like they were likely to ever get anything from the tie. Yeah. Once it once it got to the bridge. Okay. Um, in Portugal, it's Benfica five club Brugge one. Uh, that was seven one in aggregate to uh, Benfica. So goals from De Silva, two from uh, Gonzalo Ramos, uh, Jan Mario the penalty, and then uh, Campos as well. Uh, although it may have um, probably scored the goal of the night for Club Brugge in the 88th minute, not that it means anything to them. Um, Scott Parker sacked after just 12 games in charge. He's sacked for the second time this season, which is um, pretty lucky, unless you like a um, your contract being paid in full after you've been sacked. Um, will anyone be fearing Benfica in the next round? Because they did win in the group stage, and I think they took points off of Juve and PSG and finished higher than both of them in the group. Um, although, I guess on paper, they're the, are they the weakest team left? I'd have to look at who's left. I think um, I loved the tweet that was just like so tactless in the best way. It was like in obviously not in English, but like Scott Parker is no longer the head coach with a picture of Scott Parker. Brutal. Oh my God, it was brutal and so good. And yet Scott Parker will probably still have another managerial position before a woman or a person of color. So there you go. Yeah, I true. wouldn't say I don't think the weakest team left. I would think maybe whoever goes through between Porto and Inter, um, but because Benfica are really firing on all cylinders right now, um, you know, as as they showed. What was notable for me from that game was the the shocking reminder of the existence of Simon Mignolet. <laughs> <laughs> I got we got Carius the other week, which was a, a, you know difficult to deal with in process, and then Mignolet. Uh, you, you realize you're living in the golden age, Chris, as a Liverpool fan of, of you know, just what Allison has done for that club just by his existence. That's um, at keepers underscore union on Twitter. There's an ironic Twitter handle if ever there was one. I'd have to stick you that knife in there on uh, Simmingale. I, mean, <laughs> I think Minule's had a really good career. Yeah. Um, Do you remember when Minule yeah. got into the fight or like picked a fight with, with Cotois? Oh yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, he's, I'm gonna awesome. be. I'll be Belgium's goalkeeper and everything. Listen, we'd be here all day if we talked to Mignolet's stories. He held the ball for 20 seconds that one time yeah. in a in a in a Champions League or Europa League game for Liverpool. And and like anyone that says that that's never enforced, the highlights out there. And it was I think there's a Leon they were playing. And not only was the indirect free kick given, but they they scored from it. Uh, that's one of my favorite memories of my the, other one, the other one would be the free kick David Luiz scored past him when he oh was God, not that. watching. When he was not watching, <laughs> he was he was looking at 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 some people to the, the defender to the left of the wall and talking to him, and Luiz just shot and, and scored. That was great. I remember that because I remember you talking about. It. <laughs> there's, there's one more. There's one more. Gone. There was a back. Yes. A back, <laughs> he just he he. Just played across the face of goal, and he backed up with it, waiting to strike it first time, and he let it run across the the goal line, not for a goal, but for a corner before he before he before he played it. I've never, and I never will see that again. <laughs> I was going to mention that if you had a yeah, that's my Simamingale sort of go-to memory. Uh, on Wednesday, um, Bayern two P, uh, Paris Saint Germain nil, so Bayern win that three 0 Lager, Chupa Moting and Serge Gnabry scored. Um, Felt a little bit like Brian rode their look in the first half. Jan Summer went walkies off his line a little bit. Um, after the match, um, 
Thomas Muller was asked about his feelings towards Tom, uh, towards Jan Sommer. And Thomas Muller said they weren't very positive towards him at that point, but they got more positive afterwards. Um, Dilek had to clear that one off the line. Jamal Musley, I went close in the first half as well. Um, Marco Verratti under pressure for the Chipmoateng goal. Um, he sort of gave that one away. Um, Sergio Ramos had a couple of headers, which Jan Sommer uh, saved. Um, PSG have now lost... In the last 16, I'm out of five out of the last seven seasons, um, and according to Archerine Tut, who was there, uh, Liam Messi went straight down the tunnel at the end and didn't go over to the to PSG fans. Um, did anybody see this one at all? Yep. Okay. Sorry, did we, were you both yes, um, then? Yeah, no, I mean, it I was... It, the first couple of minutes while Tottenham was delayed, so this is all Justin all the time. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I was dual screening the last couple of days, but... Um... PSG were certainly more in this game, I felt, than Dortmund were in that Chelsea Chelsea game. But it just isn't. It just doesn't work in the Champions League, mm. for whatever reason. Um, no matter who the manager, it, it doesn't seem to work. Um, and it was just the, the summer walkabout you referenced, where he got the ball taken off his foot, and then and then was fortunate uh, for a defender to, to clear it off the line. Had that gone in, maybe maybe now we've got a match and. We see a different PSG, but you know, for whatever reason, the entire project was was built and funded uh, to win this competition, and it hasn't, you know, come. Well, of course, it has come close, but but um, it just can usually fails fairly early. They usually hit the rocks at, at this round, as, as you said, and I, I just don't know exactly what the issue is, but. Um, maybe buying players for an amount of money that their agents can't say no to to come to a league that, that they're not that excited by um, isn't the best strategy. And then I, I go back to the Roy Keane thing of Manchester United in the 90s, in the early 90s, when they were they were sort of rampaging the Premier League and then would get beat in the Champions League because they just weren't getting tested thoroughly enough week to week. And I, I, think, I think you could certainly make that argument about PSG and, and Ligue 1. Um, I mean, Bayern, I guess, could be a similar sort of uh, blueprint for PSG. They're dominant over the last sort of decade in their in their division, winning the titles. I think they, the difference they, is the difference is there's a there's a core of German players there, and it's a traditional, um, you know, world global power that got that way. You know, their grandfathered in, of course, but they didn't get that way purely on the strength of you know, a fortunate acquisition, which gave them unlimited spending. Yeah, I mean, my question was going to be, should they follow what Bayern uh, do? And in the same way that Bayern sort of hoover up all the top talent in the Bundesliga, rather than going for your Messi's and your Sergio Ramos's, um, would PSG be better off doing that, buying young... I mean, you know, they missed out on too many in Camavinga. Would they have been better going for players like that um, and sort of moulding them to how they want to play? Would they stand more of a chance to win the Champions League? Maybe, but I would say that would be what a team whose only purpose it was to it would be to fulfill sporting goals would be. Mm. That's not their only purpose. Their uh, their their purpose is to be a a global brand. Their purpose is to be you know is, is sport sport washing, um, and so the high profile players are are part of that. I think those are needed. Those signings give them the global platform that they're after. If not yet the actual trophy that they're after if sport washing is the aim is winning the champions league the goal or is that irrelevant if you've got uh, Lionel messi playing for you 
Yeah, I mean that's another good question. They they are they are already um, pretty much at the apex of, of of you know attention and popularity um, because of that. Now, how much longer that's going to last is is anyone's guess. With all the stories about Messi moving back to Barcelona or coming to Inter Miami or whatever may happen, but but for now they've got him and 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 so the vehicle from a non-sporting perspective seems to be working. Hmm. Jesse, sorry, you going to say something? No, I totally agree with with Justin. I think it's it's money and power, which everything that Justin said enables and, and feeds into that. Hmm. Uh, well, we'll stick with you then, because it's Spurs nil, uh, Milan nil, uh, one nil no. to Milan in aggregate. Spurs, uh, according to the BBC, Spurs, according to the BBC, were quote unquote passive at the start. Uh, Brahim Diaz had a couple of chances. Uh, Kane had the header at the end. Uh, Sergio Romero had that lunatic red card. Um, Richarlison hasn't come out of this very well either. Uh, he made some comments um, regarding the fact that he should have started the game. Antonio Conte has come out and said Richarlison was quote unquote right. selfish and made a mistake. Um, Jesse, how do you want to start dissecting this? I don't. <laughs> Next question. Justin, how do you want to dissect this for her? Go on, you watched this, didn't you, Jesse? Then so I did. Go on, I, I, you watched it as well. I saw only the last ten minutes or so. I did see the Kane header, which was a very good oh. save by my. Steve Mannion, but uh, that's that's about all I saw. That is all you needed. <laughs> yeah. Other than the Kane header, were you on the edge of your seat just in thinking Spurs are going to nab this, or did it not seem likely? Uh, I didn't. I, I didn't watch enough, but but there was there was pretty clear, audible discontent from the the Spurs support that made me think not a lot had been happening in the match, and then of course there were there were boos at the final whistle, so. Mm. It sort of looked to me once that the Kane chance had gone, that that's how it was going to finish. Okay. Jesse, what did you make of it all then? You had to sit and watch every moment that the game eked out of you. I mean, first of all, Richarlison is absolutely right. This is like, this is a Mourinho to Deli Alley situation. There is no reason, because clearly he's not injured, there is no reason to keep somebody who has been in the form that Richarlison has been in when we are plagued with injury on the bench. And unless Conte is going to come out and say either, you know, I have this spectacular reason and here it is, he needs to, he, he just, he needs to justify that because we're not winning and we're not playing well so what the fuck um and Kuti buddy what kind of batshit Argentinian ninja move did you think you were doing because even even the official looked embarrassed holding that red card behind him while he was lying on the ground (laughs) did you see he was like oh god I can't believe I'm going to do this (laughs) And then he sort of like showed it to him, like you know this is, you know, you know what's going to happen, and you know what you did. I mean, this game was, this match was was embarrassing in that it it exemplified. It was like a microcosm of our entire season. Nobody did anything good, and everybody looked um, tired and sad. Oh, 
<laughs> Sad as well. And Conte had nothing to say. Um, why in the 83rd minute when chasing the game would Conte have taken off Kuliszewski and put on Davison Sanchez? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> why do you think? Uh, I'm just trying to look at the formation and see what he maybe would have done because... Because the fact is that man cannot justify any, any of his of his actions again why are you keeping Richarlison on the bench why are you pulling Kulusevsky off like none of these things are you want to play with shape and formation because nothing's making sense fine play with it but like that's not working did um did Milan impress you because obviously they're Serie A champions uh they've wobbled a bit since the new year uh they've managed to keep a clean sheet um did did they impress you as a, as a team? How well did they play? I think they knew exactly who they were coming into play, and they played down to our standards, not up to theirs. Oh, okay. It was like that, was it? <laughs> um, no, I mean, they didn't have to bring their best, and they didn't. Okay, they didn't need to. Okay. Uh, in the Europa League this week, so staying with just the English clubs in the Europa League, uh, Manchester 4, Real Betis 1. Um, some rather appalling behaviour by the Real Betis fans, it was shown. Uh, Sporting Lisbon 2, Arsenal 2, and in the Conference League, it was uh, AK Larnaca 0, West Ham 2. Two goals from um, Mikel Antonio. Uh, okay, so around the world then, um, in Spain, Barcelona are top on 62 points. They are nine ahead of Real Madrid, um, and they themselves are eight ahead of, of Atleti, who are on 45 points, and then Real Sociedad on 44. So this weekend, it's um, uh, Athletic Bilbao versus Barcelona, My Girona versus Atletico Madrid, uh, Mallorca versus Real Sociedad, and Real Madrid versus Espanyol. In yeah. Italy, uh, Napoli are um, on 65 points, 15 ahead of Inter after that loss last week. Uh, Lazio, who uh, did beat Napoli last week, they're on 48, and Roma on 47. So it is Napoli versus Atalanta, Spezia versus Inter, Bologna, Lazio, and Roma versus Sassuolo. In Germany, uh, Bayern and Dortmund are both on 49 points. Then it's Union Berlin on 44. Then Leipzig on 42. So it's Leipzig versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Bayern versus Augsburg. Uh, Wolfsburg versus Union. And it's the Ruhr derby this weekend. The Schalke play Dortmund. Um, and then finally, in France, PSG are on 63 points. They're eight ahead of Marseille uh, on 55. Then Monaco on 51. So it's Marseille v Strasbourg. Brest versus PSG. And Monaco versus Rem. Um, around the world, uh, in the Czech Republic, this uh, it's a bumper game and going up uh, weekend in the Czech Republic as Banica Strava plays Sparta Prague uh, and Slavia play up Prague play Victoria Pilsen um, in Andorra Jesse it's the Santa Coloma derby uh, as FC Santa Coloma B I have an Andorra huh? kit I, will ha I have an Andorra kit oh do you okay well you can wear it as you cheer on FC Santa Coloma B versus um, UA Santa Coloma B um, yeah wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute you have yeah, an Andorra yeah. kit Jesse yes I do yes I do because, and I wish let, I, I let, been... can, wait. Can I guess why first? Yes, yes, please. Is it is it comfortable when they put the leather straps around you? <laughs> take you to the institution, or first of all, Justin, that's offensive because I'm a vegan and I would never use leather straps. Leather, you're right. So I'm sorry. You. Synthetic. Leather. Um, thank you. Mm, no, not good for the environment. It would have to be like Hessian. Okay. But. No, this is a shout out to somebody out there on the internet to please find this for me in, I believe, World Cup 02, but it might have been 06. Nike did one of those like long form commercials or ads that they do for World Cups, but this one spotlighted minnows oh, okay. and it was 
Andorra, Faroe Islands, Gibraltar were like three of them. And it showed um, the the like footballing teams and cultures in each of them and how, you know, like the, the goalkeeper is also the postal worker. Yeah. And they're so tiny and so cute. And I have just like anytime Andorra is playing, I will root for Andorra, except if they're playing the Faroe Islands, because then I'm a little bit conflicted. Okay. Um, also, this week, it's the Super Classico in Chile, as Colo Colo plays uh, Universidad. And in um, Uruguay, Jesse, I'm sure you know this, yeah. it's the Classico del Oeste. Is del, that right? Del del Oeste. Oeste. <laughs> Oeste. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as Phoenix play Rassing. Did I get that right? You did. Fabulous. Who's going to win that one? This could be a show. These are very, very teensy, tiny teams. This is a good. This is. This will be a fun one to watch if people can actually find them on streaming. There's always a will. Well, where there's a will, there's a way. Um, oh. In news, then this week. So, Corinne Diacre, the um, French ladies' coach, she's been sacked uh, following what uh, the French Football Federation called, so quote unquote, a very significant divide. Um, Wendy Reynard has always declared, already declared herself unavailable for the World Cup. Um, Diacra has said she's a victim of quote unquote a smear campaign and I think it was it the Leon goalkeeper as well that's been having problems with the manager um are you guys both across this one yeah well I mean yeah Renard, Wendy Renard's not the only player who quit yeah yes two um, other players quit the squad um and yeah, and uh did Marines when Katoto did I think mm -hmm. somebody needs to tell people the difference between a smear campaign and people telling the truth about your awful behavior yeah and then also also it's it would be really unprecedented for, for multiple players to literally quit a national side uh, in if there were nothing behind it um maybe Especially if it were one during player a world cup year, like during to, world cup year just a few months away yeah it's pretty clear that they just hated her and no and no one was going to play if if you know, she she wasn't removed, which she now has been. And, and the interesting thing will be if if Renard kind of the others come back, which my mm. guess is they will. And France, like they're a dominant side. It's not. I mean, they had a real have, I guess, had had a real shot. So, and also like Wendy Renard, you would have to think that this is her last World Cup. So leaving during a World Cup year, potentially losing the last shot that you have at winning like that's that's that could not have been an easy decision to make no that that that's a measure of, of how bad the situation was I, I... uh with more positive news uh, following protests by the women's team canada soccer um has said it will now offer equal pay to the men and women's teams um jesse yeah uh we recorded this on friday night so yesterday was international women's day wasn't it um, Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday, sorry, got that wrong. So <laughs> sorry. Yesterday was one of the 364 men's days, sorry. Um, okay, so, uh, tell me about, uh, what was it, wife, mum, daughter or something, was it? It was, I can't believe you're forgetting our names. Um, <laughs> it was wife, mum, nan. Wife, mum, nan. Mm -hmm. Um... What, what, what was wife mum nan give a bit of context beautiful tribute from uh, who 
from the West Ham, the West Ham players, um, multiple, multiple people from West Ham and Leicester um, had to and did approve. So this went through many people. Um, the players uh, were asked to um, put the names of women who inspired them on their kits. Again, names, names. I feel like is the is just the operative word here. Um, and all but one, shout out to you, Michael Antonio, put the the word mum or wife. There's been one occasion where they went with wifey on the <laughs> back of the kit, and then Cresswell, who just inspired a generation. <laughs> by putting mum, wife, nan because when you can't choose one name you choose three words and I, I you know I just feel like um, it's not that your mom, your wife and or your nan shouldn't inspire you they should and that's beautiful to have three inspirational women in your family but it's not fucking Mother's Day dudes <laughs> And I guess uh, they have names as well, don't they? They, they have, I, I would hope and think that you would remember their names. Yeah. And I would also hope that maybe like the PR people who work at West Ham and Leicester would huddle together and be like, okay, let's think about this. Well, I'm from Leicester. I'm just trying to think of uh, how enlightened as a city is. So, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to sort of be as positive as you. Well, so who would you, who would you guys have on the back of your shirts then? Well, I've, I have a question because can we let's talk about Erling Haaland for a brief moment okay just a small small brief moment because Erling Haaland seems to have done something on his own for International Women's Day which again lovely love the thought you know we get this one day and I, I just I really appreciate that Erling Haaland took it upon himself to create a um, what most people would call a, a word search which is creative Love that. Love a word search. Um, he put some words in there. None of us really, none of us women to whom this word search was gifted really seem to have found the right words in the right order. But Erling Haaland um, gifted us women of the world with this word search and said to my female fans, here's a crossword puzzle for you. Um, I don't know if this is like I don't know, tradition in Manchester or Norway for women to get a I just I here's the thing <laughs> Inter International Women's Day historically is actually about women mm -hmm. and girls um, you know, fighting um, to come out of um, sweatshops and garment industries, and then a little bit later, um, fighting for uh, <laughs> reproductive rights. So it's like, you know, it's I, I just, I feel like somebody needed to like, just do a little bit of like education of training. It's just my thought, as a mom-wife man. <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
Who would you guys have at the back of your shirt then? I don't know. It's not about me. It's about you guys. Okay. Yeah, true. Um, well, I would put Sarah, who's when that's the name of my wife. By the way, I got married. I don't know if I know. people know that. Yeah. And this could be our first man on the post-wedding. Uh, yes, first, Justin, first one post-wedding, yes. Would you just put wife in the No, tradition? no. No, I would put her actual name, which is, checks notes, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably my mother, uh, Betty, who was a space program pioneer. What? With Betty? You know that, don't you? My mother and father no. were both both worked at the Kennedy Space Center from the very, very first days of the manned space program. No! Yes, they're both in the Space Walk of Fame. What? And yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, that was a long time ago. They are both very, very old now. Um, are you fact, going they... to write another book about them? Because I would read that. <clears throat> uh, you know, they, it would be hard to do. They didn't, uh, they didn't vlog, right? so I don't have a lot of background information so what did what did they work on uh d dad was um in telemetry that's where they used radio telescopes to track missiles in flight to make sure they were performing optimally before they reached orbit um and mom was in flow which uh, uh she was in flow for uh, Mercury and Gemini, she didn't work in Apollo because that's when my brother and I were born, so she was on maternity leave then, and then she worked the, the space the space shuttle program um, all through the, the beginning in the late 70s through the 80s, and, and she retired sometime in the late 90s. Flow is uh, where you um, just help organize everything that has to happen for a shuttle launch between all the different departments, and, uh, you know, technically there at Kennedy Space Center, the solid rocket booster people, the uh, the thermal tile protection people, et cetera, et cetera. Wow. Well, that puts my next point about um, a 19-year-old Brazilian basketball player into the shade. <laughs> uh, a 19-year-old Brazilian basketball player uh, has accidentally been paid $356,000 um, by Flamengo Football Club. Uh, the money should have gone to his namesake who joined Wolves in the January transfer window and scored in his debut um this player the basketball player is committed to paying the money back uh CONCACAF champions league last 16 first legs um violetti of haiti three austin nil apparently um there's immigration oh, issues people, with people the... need to people need to look at the highlights of that match yes that's what it's truly truly one of the greatest own goals of all time i, I don't care how I, I don't care what you've seen before it is genuinely truly one of the greatest goals of all time so it's on twitter so so look it up was this the go with the, was this the game with the dog as well yes yeah that's right no that was the philly union game i'm pretty sure wasn't it okay no i thought this maybe, one was the dog as well i might be wrong so. oh my god justin how how did the song go? i mean you could yeah, for anyone that didn't for anyone that didn't see it there's a ball you know crossed in front of goal and, and a free header a defender just standing there watching this free header and the goalkeeper makes a truly truly brilliant save yeah pa parries it out right to the defender the, the attacking player who headed the ball has left his feet and is on the ground and posing little to no threat to anybody and this defender facing his own goal as the ball comes back to him wallops it on the full volley <laughs> to the back of the net under no pressure i mean there is nobody around uh, he's get, you could see he gets his feet wrong a little bit. He's a little, he's a tiny bit off balance. I, I don't know why, but he, uh, 
it's a very good finish. It's very bad. Yeah. Well, I should look out for that. Uh, Tower of Panama nil, Leon one, UENL nil, Orlando nil, uh, Montague nil, Pachuca nil, uh, Vancouver Whitecaps five, uh, Real España Honduras nil. Jesse, help me. Costa Rica's Ala Juelense. A L A J U E L E N S E. Oh, that was good. Oh, was it? it? Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, Neil LAFC three, Olympia four, Atlas one, um, and then Alliance and Neil Philadelphia Union nil. Uh, Ryan Nelson has been talking about Freddie Adu. Quote unquote, he didn't learn the values of hard work when he was 14, 15, 16. Um, either of you two, you both probably know a lot more about Freddie Adu than I do. Does that seem a fair comment for Ryan Nelson to make? What? What is he basing that on? Uh, I think he played with him. I think at the Red Bulls. Yeah, I, I, my guess of what he's referencing there is that Freddie made a lot of money at that age, um, and Ryan Nelson didn't. Right, um, <laughs> and it's I think it's really really unfair. You're not going to say no to it as a 16 year old. People, I don't know. People may have forgotten who Freddie is, but or where he came uh, from as well. Or where he, he came from. So he he yeah. you know signed an MLS contract at that age and and. Um, got a lot of commercial endorsements pretty much because of his age and he never lived up to it there's no crime in that he he was a player of you know somewhat limited ability um there may be truth to what he says but it's not freddie's fault if if you when you get that kind of attention that kind of validation and that kind of money at that age it probably makes it difficult to focus on what for every other player of that age would be the prime motivating factor which is to get that money to have a career to make it and when you're just when you're given it prior to having actually you know earned it it probably makes it really difficult and and, and removes you genuinely lose a lot of the motivation and, and not to mention the effect on your schedule you know the same kind of things people are saying about like Emma Raducanu now mm. she spends too much time on her commercial endorsements and that might be true but it's not really the player's fault that's what happens when you you know when you sort of become an industry yeah and i guess considering like i said where he came from i think he came from a refugee camp from ghana or something didn't he i think and i think he was a single parent or from a single parent family so you can't blame him for taking as much money as offered to him at that early age because he might not be offered it tomorrow so you can't blame him for doing that and can sort himself and his family out i guess but it's just interesting i saw that this week um, what else we got? Oh, uh, finally, Gary Lineker uh, has standed by comments uh, comparing the United Kingdom's government uh, or their asylum policy to 1930s Germany. Now, I wrote this at Friday lunchtime. Um, an awful lot has happened since Friday lunchtime. Gary Lineker has been told he would not be presenting match of the day. Initially, it was put out by the BBC as a joint decision. Apparently, it was very much the BBC's decision and not Gary Lineker's. He's refused to uh, delete any of his tweets or change his opinions. Um, since then, his two co-hosts, Ian Wright and Alan Shearer, have pulled out, as have uh, Alex Scott, Mark Chapman, um, Jermaine Genus, and Micah Richards. Uh, currently, um, the United Kingdom is uh, ablaze with Garolinica chat, and the country seems to be falling apart since about five o'clock this afternoon. So, um, we're all Team Lineker, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Also, it would be very... it would never happen. But it would be very interesting to see what would happen if every player who was an immigrant, the child of an immigrant, or came, you know, or was playing on a on an immigrant visa, A1 or whatever you call it, just refused to play this weekend. There would be no teams. 
That's very true. They wouldn't be. <laughs> no. You know, the other thing, the, the BBC or the, you know, the BBC is playing fast and loose with the very existence of Match of the Day because we don't need it anymore, and we haven't for a decade. Mm. Nobody needs Match of the Day for highlights um, or a recap. Every, we've got Twitter and YouTube for that. Match of the Day exists still as a viable show because of the personalities. You don't turn it on to see how the Wolves-Leicester game went. You turn it on to see what what the, the presenters thought of how it went. Um, you know, there's... there's and, and if they think it, they're just a rotating cast of replaceable parts, they're close to finding out and then people will still watch. I think they're close to finding out that's really not the case. My my guess is that they're going to have to buy, backtrack fully on this one, and 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 Gary Lineker will be back presenting as as of next week, as if nothing has ever happened. Yeah, let's hope. I hope they apologize. Uh, sorry. I hope they apologize. I hope they do have to admit that they were just out of line yes definitely um okay right premier league games coming this weekend saturday 12 30 it is um bournemouth versus liverpool in the jordan live derby uh you might remember liverpool won this fixture 9-0 in august um they won their last seven against bournemouth at an aggregate of 28 to 1 uh bournemouth have got 10 points in their first six games under gary o'neill um but only eight from their next 15 um and just a couple of other things liverpool have won four out of five in the league but after this game against Bournemouth, their next four games are away at Real Madrid, away at Man City, away at Chelsea, uh, and then home at, uh, against Arsenal. So they really need to go into that set of four games with a, a pretty decent win, don't they, uh, over this one, Jesse? Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy? Just then, it's Andy Robertson's birthday tomorrow. Are you going to be cheering a happy birthday to him? I wish him nothing but the very best. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> Will he be celebrating a Liverpool win this time tomorrow night? I would think so, but not guaranteed. Bournemouth ran Arsenal close, obviously, the, the last weekend, and Liverpool have hit some form. It's been a good, since the Real Madrid mauling, it's, it's been a little bit of a good, well, I don't know, I get really just a, a couple of good results. When you, uh, sorry, when you played uh, against the team so obviously they've got the shellacking 9-0 in August when you I can't believe it ever happened to you but you know if you got heavily beaten by a team uh, when you came around to play in the, in the reverse fixture what was the mindset of your team was it we're going to get revenge for this or was it oh god these lot absolutely humped us last time or what was the going into the game how would you guys be thinking yeah I, I think there's definitely a pride kicks in um, and you really, really, really determined not to let anything like that happen again. And I think historically, if we look at some of the horrific shellackings that, um, well, Southampton are usually on the receiving one of, of one every season, but um, usually in that return fixture, um, the, the, there is a marked improvement, and it's a much more competitive game. And sometimes they even win, wasn't it? Uh, who did Man United beat 9-0? Was it Palace? Uh, it was Ipswich and somebody else, wasn't it? It was Palace, Ipswich I think, wasn't it? Else. Yeah, I think they got Palace once too, and then I think Palace beat them in the return fixture. So, um... Oh, it was Liverpool beat Palace 9-0, didn't Sorry, they? And Liverpool then it was the FA Cup semi-final where Palace won, wasn't it? 1990. There you go. Yep, yeah. Yep. Um, when you played against... Uh, a player that was really, really good. Um, obviously, Liverpool have got this aggregate 28-0 over the last seven games. So, Bournemouth defenders have been coming up against Mo Salah and not coming out of it very well. 
was there ever a sort of player you came against and you thought, oh God, he always scores loads against me? And, and how did you deal with that? Uh, no, there wasn't. Um, just because I uh, played so long ago, I don't remember anybody's name <laughs> that I played against. But but no, there were a couple, and 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 you we were just, just make up names. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, John Hewitt of Aberdeen um, would be one. I would I would say who who I was very very excited to face him, and then he scored with his first touch uh, against me, um, and so I had just the next. 85 minutes to, to think about how I was going to deal with him again. Um, you know what the, the, the Salah and Bournemouth situation reminds me of? It reminds me of, of Suarez and Norwich yeah. a decade ago or so, where it, they just, the, the combination of, of his um, excitement to face them and their dread of dealing with him sort of result in sort of a paralysis, and they just end up standing there watching him do whatever, whatever he wants. Um and you know Norwich used to just back off Suarez and give him room to run at them, and uh, which is exactly what he wants. And then they try to crowd Mo Salah, which is really the last thing you want because he spins you mm. if you get in too tight to him. So they just haven't really sorted out how they're going to deal with him. And I think um, I think that's why I see Liverpool getting the points, even though I expect a much more competitive result. I see Liverpool getting the points here again. Okay. Um... First of the three o'clock games is Everton versus Brentford in the Adam Forshaw derby. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to miss his 18th game of the season due to a hamstring. Um, Brentford are unbeaten uh, against Everton since 1954. Jesse, should they play the same team? That they played in 1984? Yes. 54, yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, Everton got the same number of points now as they had at this stage last season. Um, but that, last season they went on to win five out of the last 12 to finish 16th. I mean, guys, can we see Everton doing that again this season? Yes, I can see them doing that Doing that again this season. I can see them escaping, but it, it feels more treacherous this season, even after the managerial change, which I think was wise. Um, there's just extremely bad vibes at Goodison and... and just it, it doesn't feel like the players are in a, a, a great place to, to you know produce their best and get that number of wins I mean if you ask me now will they win five more games this season that's a stretch hmm. you know, to me that's a stretch Jesse isn't this fun that I just started another meeting at the same time because I didn't know that was going to happen <laughs> Do you have to say goodbye? No, I was going to just stay on Zoom and ignore them and listen to you guys instead. Well, that's the best thing to do. Yeah, that's the that's the I most know. sensible thing. But I was also just going to let Justin respond to everything on my behalf. <laughs> Justin, on Jesse's behalf, what, what what does Jesse think, Justin, about the Jesse, Everton-Brentford game? Jesse thinks Everton are in trouble too. too and, and, uh, oh, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I always agree with Justin. <laughs> Fair enough, right. Three o'clock is uh, Leeds versus Everton, the Andy Richard Derby. He was a player, wasn't he, Justin? Um, you just said Leeds versus Everton. Oh, Brighton, sorry. Yes. Sorry. That's, that is the Andy Richie Derby. Uh, and, and wasn't he a player? Yes. Uh, he was Paul Scholes' favourite player. I have heard tell of that. Yeah. Uh, so, Rodrigo, Patrick Bamford and Siniestra are all doubts for Leeds. Um Brighton, uh, in the five Premier League meetings against Leeds, they've won three and drawn two, so they're unbeaten. Um, the Zerbi's good. 
against Leeds. Yes, sorry, Deserby is. Yes, he is good. Sorry, I was wondering whether Leeds, that was a right statistic, the Leeds have been up for a couple of seasons. Yes, Deserby is very good, isn't he? I did like him at um, Sassuolo and he brought a couple of players through, didn't he? Like um, Locatelli and Capucho and things like that. So yeah, he's um, he's a very good manager. Um, he's sort of slotted seamlessly in there. Um, Brian have had 156 shots on target this season, only 61 against. Only Manchester City have got a better ratio uh, for and against the shots on target in the league. So, like you say, he's doing something correct there, isn't he? That's a really impressive stat. Is it? Yeah, it is. There's a lot of statistics that are that are nonsense. But, um, yeah, at this stage of the season, how many was that? 60-something shots on target? So they've had 136 shots on target. Against right. them, there have only been 61 oh, yeah, shots wow. on target. Yeah. That's really pretty. That's amazing. Is it? As good as it? I would think. I would think Leeds probably hit that total sometime around thing. Uh, sometime around, around <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Are you going for a Brighton win? Yep. Okay, Jesse, if you can hear us. Huge Brighton fan. You know I'm going for a Brighton win. Are you going for Brighton? Are you? Talks of um, rumors about Alexis McAllister going to Manchester United, which I would absolutely hate because I quite like him. Mm, he's Argentinian. I do think he's. I do think he's moving on. Yeah. I think uh, once you get a World Cup winner's medal draped around your neck, it's difficult for Brighton to meet the wage demands, uh, and it's and that's a shame, really, because you know it was a mistake for Graham Potter to move on, maybe, and, and I wonder if it will be for McAllister too. He's got such a good thing there. I mean, mm. they're they're a joy to watch, um, and and it's it's great to see them turning it on pretty much every week now. Mm. Um, okay, three o'clock is Leicester versus Chelsea in the Muzzy, is it, Derby? So there's no Rhys James, Raheem Sterling, uh, Mason Mount or Ngara Kante for Chelsea. Um, Leicester four consecutive defeats in all competitions. Uh, also bad Leicester stats. Um, 15 Premier League losses this season. Uh, zero Premier League clean sheets since the return of the World Cup. And 19 points from winning positions. Um, Chelsea, as bad as they've been... These last few weeks, I guess they'll take a lot of heart from that Dortmund win, won't they, Justin? It should. You, you you would hope. Now, sometimes there is that when you go to a different competition, it's a fresh start, a clean slate, the last 16 of the Champions League. This kind of game here is where Chelsea's season has gone so wrong, where they've, they've you know, they've, they've let sides with half their wage bill, and I don't mean for everything to come back to money, but they've got good players. They shouldn't be in the situation they're in. This is the sort of match, even away, they should be winning, particularly with Leicester in the form that they're in. And it says a lot that I wouldn't pick a winner in this one. How right does now, that? I would just shade Chelsea. How does that work? What you're saying about going from one competition to the other? Because if you're on a bad run of form and you you can't score for love nor money, and then all of a sudden you're playing in the, the Champions League rather than the Premier League, how does all of a sudden that change? It may. It doesn't. I don't think it necessarily changes on the individual player level, but as the, as a side, you know, you know, they, they, Chelsea will know that as far as the league league's concerned, they're not playing for an awful lot right now. Hmm. Um, I don't think top four is realistic, and and um, they're certainly not going down. So what else is there? So, you know, week to week in the in the Premier League, they're tr they're certainly trying to do their best, but you know, human motivation and emotion is real, and when you get now a chance. As they did last week, when you get into you know a Champions League game where you genuinely are in with just as good of a chance as anyone else left in the competition, on paper, you're in the last 16. Let's let's kick on with the knockout rounds now. So the motivation there is just going to be stronger. There's going to be more positive feelings around it. And and so so on the one hand, 
you know, they can get some conf they can take some confidence from the positive result against against Dortmund. On the other, they could sort of go there could be that emotional letdown of, well, it's just another league game. Now we're into March and it's uh, where are we in the table? We're we're tenth. Uh, you know, how important is this one result really? So it's 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 hard to predict, but I, I do think there's something to when you get that chance at a different competition that you're doing well in, you, you probably will play better. Okay, uh, Jesse Leicester versus Chelsea. Mm. I ha I feel like um, Chelsea is one of those teams that like do differently, do differently, play differently depending on which league and which tournament they're in. Mm. Um, also, we know that I'm in a long-standing feud with Ryan, <laughs> and that horse is going to color my, um, you know, how I feel about this. Um, so, oh, so difficult. And I also never want Leicester to win. So this is one of those where I just hope they both lose. Okay. And, and lose badly. Well, she will stay with you for Spurs versus Nottingham Forest, Teddy Sheringham uh, Derby. Oh. <laughs> how's it gonna go jesse you know i actually i hope that um i have not been conte out i think until until last week and we saw that the play i i think he's finally lost the players mm. um and so i almost hope that we do so poorly that like a decision has to be made because it feels like that's inevitable right now, and and dragging that out is just going to mean sort of unhappy players, which means we're going to lose players. Yeah. Um, so I'm never of the opinion that like coaches should be fired mid-season, except when it's your team. Yes. No. Except, <laughs> um, except when it's making you know the the players miserable. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Spurs have got the same number of points at this stage as they had uh, last season, where they won eight out of their last 12 to get fourth place. Just thinking, you see them doing the same. Do they need to do the same, given where they are in the league and other teams sort of rapidly catching up behind them? Yeah, they do need to do the same. I think just because of Liverpool's, you know, seems to have suddenly rediscovered something to play for in the league. Um, Even though Liverpool have got that run of games the stretch you mentioned yeah i know that is a difficult stretch but um still 12 or so games to go actually liverpool have a game in hand mm. on spurs uh, if you ask me right now i would put my money on liverpool to actually get fourth oh okay yeah um well over spurs at least and you, you can't ignore newcastle yes point by them with a game in hand and on liverpool too two in in hand on spurs Yes, yes, they do. We'll get to Newcastle in a second because I was, was going to ask you about that. Um, Crystal Palace versus Manchester City, half past five. Lee Bradbury Derby. Palace winless in their last seven at home versus City, which is weird because I always thought they sort of they were a bit of a bogey team for them. Um, Palace in 2023 have drawn five and lost four. Uh, and Man City um, haven't got consecutive clean sheets since the first two games of the season, um, which is interesting I guess um, but can we see beyond a, a Man City win here no I do think they'll, they'll get the result I think you think of Palace as a bogey team for City because I'm pretty sure they've taken points um, at the Etihad yes uh, there, was, there was the unbelievable Andrus Townsend volley a couple of seasons back yep. um, 
which was like in a 3-3, wasn't it? 3-2, I think, um, wasn't it? 3-2, yeah. maybe, yeah. yeah. But they've hurt City. The seasons that City haven't won the league, when Liverpool won it, when Chelsea won it a few years further back, I, I think that um, dropping points at home to Palace in both of those campaigns ended up being significant. Hmm. It may be why you think of them that way. Okay. Uh, Jesse, this game? I'm on. I'm fully on Team Justin. I think. I mean, yeah. In in all the ways, I think Man City. There's just no, no beating Man City without something super special this season. Okay. Um. We move on to Sunday. Two o'clock is the um, Morris Volts derby. Is it's Fulham versus Arsenal? Uh, Martin Odegaard, Kieran Tierney, and Leandro Trossard are doubts, uh, which will be three big losses for Arsenal. Um. Manor Solomon has scored in his last four Premier League games. Uh, although Mitrovic has got zero goals in uh, in eight games um arsenal are looking for their fifth consecutive clean win so uh, sorry consecutive premier league win so they had that blip a few weeks ago where arteta got a bit uppity about the official i think it was the brentford game wasn't it um and their last eight uh or the the last eight away games have had uh clean sheets uh 25 goals and they won 10 out of 13 so sorry i said that wrong Arsenal away, they've won 10 out of 13, of which they've had eight clean sheets and scored 25 goals, if that makes a little bit more sense. So they have that little blip, they're kind of over it now and motoring away again, aren't they, Justin? Yes, although some of the results, you know, again, uh, all that matters at this point for, for Arsenal is, is winning and getting the three points, but there were, there was, I don't think too many Arsenal fans would have been comforted by that performance at home last week against Bournemouth. No. And, and uh, I do feel like this is a real potential... Uh, slip up for them um, you mentioned Odegaard in particular being out I don't know that they're not they're not uh, they're not the same side without him to me they, they lose a lot of control of the game and it becomes you lose the midfield a little bit and it starts to get to be a bit of a end-to-end sort of thing um, I, I I think this is a significant weekend because I think if they get this result on uh, you know away from home with a London rival um, I, I, for one at least, will start to think of them as clear title favorites. Now I think they are slight favorites, but um, I think the thing is they get this one, they're going to start to really make their case. Their next four games after this, they're all against teams and in and around the relegation zone. So they're home to Palace if you can kind of keep out their game. Then they're um, home to Leeds, they've got the Liverpool game, and then it is away at West Ham, home to Southampton. Uh, so, and then they sort of finish April with games against Manchester City and Chelsea. So, April does look kind of a tough month for them with the Liverpool, City and Arsenal games. But they've also got that with relegation teams as well who are fighting for their lives. So, April, it really is a big month for them, isn't it? You always hear that about the relegation teams and the fighting for their lives thing. They end up, usually they lose those games. They're down the bottom for a reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fair you do hear all that. And, and the, the teams that stay up usually stay up because they've won a six-point relegation battle, not because not that they've knocked off someone at the top of the league. So, um, I don't know. It's a tricky thing to win the league when it's a tight a tight race. You're, you're going to have stretches of, of your fixture list that are uncomfortable. Mm. Uh, for whatever reason, as you say, they've got... Uh, fairly light stretch coming up you might even consider this one there's no real reason on paper that Fulham should be too much of, of a threat they're having a, a great season in seventh but you know seventh to first there's a 25 point odd difference there um, and the, the goal difference is 
you know, I mean, Arsenal are, are legitimately very, very good team now. Um, so it's a game they sh should win and will, you know, unfortunately for them, at this, they've reached the stage of the season where things get very, very complicated if they don't win. Hmm. Jesse, how do you see this one going for the Arsenal? You guys, you know I want Arsenal to lose. I want all rapists on all teams to lose. I just do. I think that it was, like, devastating that Hakimi was out on the pitch and no one said anything. I think there was some mention of, like, off-the-pitch issues. <laughs> euphemism. Um, I don't know. I, I know at some point there was some mention of, like, you know, Arsenal got this far and then they're going to mess up at some point, but I don't see that happening. No. Okay. Uh, Southampton versus Manchester United, 2 o'clock on Sunday in the Danny Wallace derby. Manchester United got two more goals in 15 consecutive matches. Um, must be home matches because that can't be the away matches. <laughs> Bearing in mind there is last week. Uh, that's the first time in 22 years that's happened. Um, Saints are the only Premier League team this season to have a better away record than a home record. But uh, given they're down the bottom, do we see anything other than a United victory? It's hard to see anything other than that. They did, they did go to Chelsea the other week and and get that shock win. But but um, I think I think that they're, they're going to be second best by a long way in this one. Okay. Oh, breaking news! Match of the day to go ahead without studio presentations or punditry. That'd be interesting. <laughs> so it's just going to be a highlights package. Yeah. So I can um, watch it on YouTube in about twenty minutes, and I could be in bed for nine o'clock, which would be lovely. There you go. Uh, okay, West Ham versus Aston Villa, two o'clock of the David Cameron derby. Uh, Lucas Paqueta, Michael Antonio. Um, yes, yes. Uh, Bubakar, yes. Bubakar Camera, yes. Sorry. <laughs> He's out. Uh, West Ham have got 14 Premier League losses. That's the same as the whole of last season. Um, Aston Villa recovering under Emery. They've scored no 12 uh, and won four out of five away. Um, Bryce, what do you think about this game? He's gone. I love <laughs> West Ham aren't good. They're not no. good. They, they're very, very much in the relegation battle. It's, you know, I don't know if people really, really looked at the table, but you have to go all the way up to Villa mm. for safety. You could say Palace and Wolves with 27 points are, are, are still, you know, are still in it or not that far from it, but it hasn't been a good 2023 for West Ham. There's not good feelings around the place. And again, you almost think, uh, like I, I feel the same way about Everton. I you almost fancy them away from home more than at home because they really, you know, that you can feel the nervousness and the tension from the home support. Yeah. Saying that Villa are no great shakes this season, so this might be the game where where West Ham take a step towards towards safety. Uh, there are the teams at the bottom are, are worse than them, and they they shouldn't be in an actual relegation battle, but they do have to win some games to get out of it. Yeah, true. Um, Jesse, what do you think about West Ham Villa? Oh, West Ham? You mean mum, wife, Nan? <laughs> well, it rhymes with West Ham. Maybe that's why they did that's it. That's true. <laughs> I actually, I I would love for them all to go out on the pitch wearing their, just wearing like husband and son kits would make me so deeply happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just whatever they are in relation to the women in their lives. Ugh, can we make that happen? Do you think? Yeah. Who can we call at West Ham? 
Michael Antonio. No. How about Just you? make that make that happen for me. Yeah, yeah. I don't know anyone there. Oh. Uh, and finally, Newcastle versus Wolves, half past four in the Communicate Spire Derby. Um, Newcastle will be will be without Joel Linton as he's suspended. Wolves going to be without everyone though. Like, the Wolves, <laughs> Wolves are without pretty much everybody apart from Ruben Neves. Um, Shari's back for Newcastle. Um, Newcastle, their last five games in the Premier League, uh, they've they've lost their last two, um, and they scored three goals in total in 2023, um, which isn't great for a team chasing fourth spot. Wolves have got 17 points in 11 games under Lopetegui, so they're doing well under him, but. Um, that's not Champions League form, is it, for for Newcastle, Jesse? No, but are Newcastle another one of those teams that, like, they're really existing right now to sort of sports wash for an entire regime and government? Like, I mean, they definitely how, are. How much do they need to succeed to be, to, to have been successful i mean i guess they need to finish higher than sick they probably do need to get in the champions league um... they already do what they needed to do to have done i mean i guess buying or not buying a football team doesn't stop mohammed bisaman being who he is does it or what he does no but he's like how how much do they need to do to sort of cover like he or he now has hordes of Newcastle fans not defending him but but on social media coming to at least oh no coming the to... defense of like the idea of him yeah fair enough um how do you think it's gonna this one's gonna go I think this this is honestly this is down to whoever doesn't get injured on that pitch because who you know Diego Costa is their last man and then he he got stretched I mean who who's on the bench for either of these teams Gary Lineker he's not doing anything this weekend is he Mm -hmm. could be him Uh, could be yeah Justin how do you think this one's going to be I I think Newcastle are going to have a look at the table and recognize that this is a game they've got to win. They've got two games in hand on the teams ahead of them, on Spurs at least, one on Liverpool, one on United. Um, they have got to get points. They've got to win games to, to finish top four. I know that's the most obvious thing anyone said, but it's because they won them in the first half of the year that they're in this position. And as you've pointed out, it hasn't been a great you know, last last six weeks or so, so so I think they'll be motivated, and I I do think they'll I do think they'll win this one. They've got seven games in April. Newcastle have. Yeah, they've got ground to make up, you know, and that's an opportunity. But there will also be they don't have the biggest squad yet, and and there will be you know fatigue will come into play there. So yeah, this is this is one they need to get. All right, fair enough. Right, okay, that brings us to the end of our Premier League roundup. Um, any other business for anybody? I'm feeling very um, impressed that now I'm on a podcast with two authors. This is very cool. I'm not, I'm not quite yet. That is not true. <laughs> I am getting there. Two authors and two goalkeepers. I'm in such esteemed company. Well, that's true. Uh, the first part, at least, yeah. Two goalkeepers are very different levels, I imagine. I no, do no, my... that's not what I mean. I mean... <laughs> I don't know that, that 
being with goalkeepers is 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 something to aspire to. Oh well, fair enough. Uh, My father was a goalkeeper, and he always said goalkeepers were a little bit crazy and a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're Man of the Post, part of the Man of the Post network. You can find us um, at Instagram and Twitter at Man of the Post. You can find us on Facebook too and give us a like on there. Ali, Carl, Simon and Dave, I hope you'll be back on Monday to review the games that we've been previewing. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on Acast, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts and all your future um, episodes will fall automatically into your inbox. Any five-star reviews will be gratefully received. Justin, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? They can follow me at keepers underscore union. Uh, and Jesse Loesch, if they want to follow you on Twitter, how do they do that? Oh, they could go to at chingham 77 That's true. And you can... Enjoy all of my posts. <laughs> and then you can follow me at Jesse Loesch. So, guys, thank you ever so much. And always remember to keep your man on the post. <laughs> <laughs>